you know, the whole Me Too movement, it was incredible when it took place, but it was coming from people that are perhaps influencers or celebrities or people that are really well known, whereas I'm not at this stage. I'm not. So I want to come at it from that level. I'm a person that you can relate to and Mm -hmm. talk about it because Me Too, firstly, Me Too, I've been there, Mm -hmm. but I want to make it relatable and take that stigma away. Mm -hmm. You know, and almost, I mentioned the word normalize earlier, but actually let's normalize it because this shit is happening all the time. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome back, my loves. Before we dive into today's episode, I feel it is really important to do a short disclaimer and trigger warning. Inside of today's conversation, we will be discussing things like anxiety, addiction, depression, sexual trauma, and suicide. So if for any reason this is not in alignment with your soul or it is just not the day to listen to this episode, then please, by all means, press pause, exit now. Otherwise, I invite you to stay with us. My guest today is Sinead Cracknell, and she is an intuitive soul elevation coach and five slash 7d energy healer who helps people overcome deep trauma break through fears and limitations and step into their soul purpose she helps us reactivate self-sovereignty so that you can lead an empowered life after trauma today's conversation in my opinion is an empowering one Sinead allows us to see the roots of our trauma the differences between 3d 4d 5d 7d healing and her her unique approach to healing sexual trauma more specifically beyond talk therapy and including the safety and the connection in the systems that really allow you to shift your identity and heal. So I invite you to cozy up, get comfortable, and get ready to experience the soul healing magic that is Sinead. Sinead, welcome to the show. I am so delighted to finally have you here. Thank you for inviting me on. It's such a pleasure to meet you, Sarah. Mm. You are so well known in this space and I'm honored to be here. Mm, I appreciate that so much. And I'm just really excited to hear more about you and get to know you better today. And I'd love to start by talking a little bit about your approach to healing sexual trauma and one of the things that I saw you post about somewhere in your Instagram feed was that sexual trauma is more than just kind of the big things that we first think about. So I'd love to open with just kind of talking about the ways in which you work with women and some of the things maybe they've been through that leads them to working with you. Starting with the big topic. I love this. Okay. I think sexual trauma is very misunderstood in a lot of ways in that it, as you said, it isn't just the big things that may happen to us, so physical abuse. It can be the little things too that we may disregard and just put down as, oh, it's just one of those things and this is just how things are these days. So when I say that, I'm relating to, you know, cat calling or the occasional uninvited dick pic that you might get through a dating app or even on you know social media so it really is a case of anything that makes you feel violated in any 
way, shape or form. And the thing also is that sometimes we don't actually recognize when we have been violated. And this is where this, you know, normalizing this kind of behavior comes in. So in terms of sexual trauma, it is very complex, it's very nuanced. And there are, from what I've observed and witnessed, there are a whole spectrum of things that could potentially have happened or are happening or whatever that may look like for you. So we're looking at like physical, Mm -hmm. we're looking at non-physical and we're looking at other. So we're looking at like religious shaming or dogma or even Disney programming or even, you know, being involved in toxic relationships where at the time you may not have seen it as a toxic relationship, but in hindsight, that's exactly what it was. So even that interaction of having sex with somebody who was toxic for you or vice versa, that can potentially have sexual trauma attached to it so as i said it is so complex so when people are investigating or exploring this term i would invite you to not rule anything out and i also believe that if you do feel that you have experienced any form of sexual trauma then you probably have regardless of whether you can remember it or not or whether you can label it as that or not i believe that every single woman walking this earth right now has experienced it in some way or another whether that be in their present life or in past lives and have had it like that trauma handed down through the ancestral line from their mothers through their mothers that kind of thing so it's all encompassing it's not just rape or sexual abuse or you know intimate partner violence or you know anything like that it's everything it's mm-hmm. everything and the reason that I speak about it and I work with women through this is because I want to try and break that stigma of speaking out on this particular subject because so many of us are ashamed and we mm-hmm. blame ourselves but it's like it's a very taboo subject even the words themselves that phrase sexual trauma a lot of people won't ever say those, that phrase, won't say those words because it brings up that fear, that shame, that, you know, just that, oh my God, is that really what happened? Or is that really what that is that I'm carrying around with me? Mm-hmm. Because it's not spoken about enough. And I actually had a conversation with somebody about this earlier on today. And it's like, you know, the whole Me Too movement, it was incredible when it took place, but it was coming from people that are perhaps influencers or celebrities or people that are really well known, whereas I'm not at this stage. I'm not. So I want to come at it from that level. I'm a person that you can relate to and mm-hmm. talk about it because me too, firstly, me too, I've been there, mm-hmm. but I want to make it relatable and take that stigma away. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and almost, I mentioned the word normalize earlier, but actually let's normalize it. Because yeah. this shit is happening all the time. As you're speaking, I don't know why I didn't even think of this before preparing to talk to you today, but I'm sitting over here going, wow, I've experienced this as well. And the sexual trauma, some sexual assault. And it's not something that I told my family about for a long time. Eventually, I finally told them, but it was something that I felt like I had to really bury down and keep private because, like you said, there was this level of shame, definitely, and some embarrassment that, like, how could I have let this happen? And I've spoken a little bit about it on social media. And I've shared that there was a man who, for three years, stalked me and we had sex once. And then it became a very, very toxic, I don't even know if I would call it relationship. It was more just 
he found me across the country and it was really frightening. It was very scary. And we had to get the police involved. And I'm just sitting here and listening to you and going, wow, I haven't even like allowed myself to talk about that in such a long time. And after the fact, I noticed that there was a lot that my body held on to from that encounter and specifically like yoni, womb space, vagina. And so I'm really curious what your thoughts are or what your experience is and how our bodies hold on to some of these encounters, experiences, trauma that we've been through. First thing, I just want to acknowledge everything that you've shared with me. I truly appreciate that and I just want want to share that with you. So thank you. In terms of how we hold on to it in our bodies, again, this is so nuanced. There are so many different levels and layers to this. But in terms of if we do think about the yoni, the cervix, the vagina, and we also then have to think about our throats Mm -hmm. and the way we show up in the world. Mm -hmm. Because if you actually look at the biological structure of the cervix, it's very, very similar, if not the same as the throat. So in terms of showing up in the world, expressing your truth, expressing, you know, what happened to you in the past or is still happening to you now if you feel that you cannot do that then that's the trauma that's being because they're both connected Mm -hmm. through different parts of the you know the meridians in our body so that trauma is still there in your cervix that trauma is still there that needs to be observed and to explored because if you're not able to speak freely you know that's how that connects it also connects to the divine as well. So if you are getting mixed messages in terms of intuition and not being able to follow your gut instinct and things like that, that all connects. So there are a few of the ways that this can show up for you in terms of physical, but also energy body. Yeah. But if you are stricken with fear or you feel unsafe in certain situations or, you know, even in your partnership, if you don't feel comfortable to express your desires or you feel uncomfortable in receiving and it's always about giving Mm -hmm. there's something there as well that needs to be explored so in terms of the physical body there are so many ways that this could show up for you but there is also I mean another part of it is as well is that it's very much related to pelvic health so endometriosis, fibroids, all of those different things is that this is where the trauma will be showing up for you. If it's something that's so repressed and you have never explored it, then you can be, I don't want to say this is written in stone, but it's going to show up for you eventually as some form of a physical dis-ease mm-hmm. if you don't deal with it. And that could be, you know, thyroid, that could be throat, it could be pelvic health, it could be a number of things. But if you're observing your behaviors where you feel that you can't speak your truth, you feel held back in many ways, you find it difficult to express anger or Mm -hmm. rage or even your emotions, this is how it can show up Mm -hmm. as well. So to narrow it down and give you some idea of how complex this is, it's really difficult to, to do that in, you know, a few minutes, but hopefully I've kind of given you an idea of the different ways it can show up. And as I said, there are so many ways it can show up, you know, even just the case of, for me, it showed up in the way I viewed my body, Mm -hmm. you know, body image, the way I, my pleasure practice, the way I would put myself into situations with men in partnerships where 
I would have to be the giver because to receive it felt too vulnerable Mm -hmm. it didn't it made me feel so unsafe Mm -hmm. that I just I couldn't do that but the only way that I could do that is if I was doing something to take me out of my body so drinking or drugs or whatever it was so it's very much any trauma a lot of trauma has the capacity to take you out of your body so it's about bringing your awareness back into your body and that's generally how I would work with women through this to overcome and heal this is like creating and establishing that sense of safety first Mm -hmm. within your internal environment and your external and sometimes we need that external environment to be the safe space first before we can create it from within yeah you're so right that every person obviously has a, their own individual experience, but then also the way in which their body may hold on to whether it's physical, energetic, spiritual symptoms can be totally different. With the situation I was talking about, I noticed that in the aftermath of it and, and before I had really healed any of it, which is before I got into any of this work too, I just completely lost my sex drive. Just It just like plummeted because I just didn't want to even connect to that part of my body anymore. And I also noticed that my skin broke out. And I think there was several things going on with that, but it was like this person I met through the yoga studio and it was like, I didn't want to be seen. It's like, I wanted to just like hide. And so I had all this acne that was breaking out and it was my way of kind of hiding and like, not like, I don't want to be seen as beautiful. I don't want to be seen as pretty. I don't want to have any attention coming my way. And another thing I noticed, and again, this had been going on for other periods of my life, but it kind of flared up in the aftermath of that situation was my jaw. And like you said, the throat and the vaginal canal like mirror each other. And it's so fascinating, uh, this vocal vaginal connection. But for me, it was like this tension that was just so tight in my jaw, just like clenching my teeth and just holding on to a lot of fear and into a lot of tightness, almost like closing the world out and not wanting to open my voice. And uh, I was just thinking about another situation that I haven't talked too much about, but it was a, a toxic relationship essentially. And that one affected me in a different way where this man that I was seeing was suicidal and that was like his manipulative, emotional manipulative way of also keeping me in the relationship of threatening whenever I wanted to leave a toxic situation. And so in that case, it was sort of behavioral in the way that it affected me where it was like, oh my gosh, I have to mother everybody. I have to take care of the world. I need to nurture. I need everyone to be safe and and healthy and and like be the fixer of, of everyone. So I can see in, in my personal experience how those symptoms have been different based on the situation. And you mentioned something that I align with as well, which is that in order to really do the healing, you invite women to come back into their body. Trauma can take us out of our body for like survival reasons, right? But how do we start coming back home to ourselves? How do we start getting back into our body? Are there certain ways you do that or you encourage it so that we can start to even pinpoint why some of these things are happening or symptoms that are showing up in our life before I answer that question I just want to circle back slightly to what you said about you know the acne and the skin and everything like that for me the way it showed up is that I didn't want to be seen and the way that I was kind of coping with that was by eating so Mm. putting on those layers of protection in body weight 
mm-hmm. hiding myself, not wanting to be beautiful, not wanting to be seen or noticed. And I felt that the more weight I put on, the less likely people are going to see me. For me, it was like, I don't want to be seen, but actually I want to be bigger. So you do see me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same kind of a different perspective, but at the same time, the same thing. So it was really polarized. Coming back to your question about how do I guide women to come home to themselves, essentially. And for me, I feel that one of the most important things to be able to even contemplate doing that is to find somebody that you trust, that you have a connection with. Trauma is created through connection. So therefore, my opinion is that it needs to be healed through connection as well. The way in which I would support women is to create that trust and that safety within the space that we are in together as a community. And when you feel that you're safe on the outside, because primarily when we go through trauma, we are looking for everything outside of ourselves first. That's what we do. We want validation. We want acceptance. We want other people to make us feel better because we don't believe that we have the ability to do that for ourselves because that's been stolen from us at some point in our lives. So before we even get back into the home space, let's create the home space outside of us. So it's about building that trust and that connection and just breaking down the barriers of speaking, me sharing my story with other women or, you know, guiding them through meditations or breath work or any of those things that really calm the nervous system. So they get used to and create habits in doing that. Mm -hmm. So get used to what that feels like in the external which then allows them to bring that to the internal and from within. Yeah. So if they feel that they can trust somebody enough to allow them to guide them, then eventually that trust and that safety will be created from within. But I believe that safety and trust are like a byproduct of one another. Let's create the connection. Let's create that trust and safety between us. And now I will empower you to reactivate your sovereignty, to create that for yourself and show you what that can look like for you. That's where that journey begins, that journey coming back home. Yeah. So I'm curious about maybe more conventional talk therapy because we did talk about how there's this vocal vaginal connection and using your voice is an important part of the healing. But do you feel like that's maybe where talk therapy falls a little bit short in that there may not be emphasis on either the safety or the trust or like the body, the somatic part? Yeah, absolutely. I do. I think talk therapy is very much top down. Mm-hmm. So we're talking like from the mind when actually we should be looking at both ends. So bottom up and top down. So the bottom up would be the body parts, the, you know, the somatics mm-hmm. and things like that. And this is what I was actually training to be a therapist and what I recognized is that just speaking alone as beneficial as it was it wasn't getting me to where I needed to go in terms of healing trauma from some perspectives it was almost as if it was keeping me in disassociation Mm -hmm. because I was up here in my head and and cognitive you Mm -hmm. know whereas trauma happens in the body it gets stored in the body So we must engage the body to be able to heal it. Yeah. One of the things I was eventually led to, and I'm really grateful for it in my healing process, specifically with some of the, well, low sex drive, but also just feeling disconnected to 
my vagina, my yoni, was using a rose quartz crystal wand and going through and doing like a womb healing meditation while at the same time kind of using the trigger point on the wand to be able to press into areas around the cervix to kind of release, like literally release physical tension. And by releasing the physical tension, I was able to release some of the emotion that was really stored in that area of my body that I was not touching and was not connecting to. And that was one example of how I was able to like literally go in (laughs) into my body and like, and it was uncomfortable. Let me tell you, like, I was like, Oh my God, like it's not pleasurable. It was more just like, (sighs) like breathing through it and like sitting with myself and touching slash using the crystal wand to touch a part of my body that like, Oh, like I had disowned in many ways. Are there other practices like that, that any women can, can start to do or, but like you said about safety, I feel like a huge component to jumping into any practice is making sure that you're really in a safe space or you're guided through something like that. What do you think? I agree with you. I really agree with you. And I'm, I can actually sense, you know, stuff coming up for you as we're talking about this. So I really do appreciate you being so vulnerable and honest about everything. I feel that this is something that you must be in a safe space to be able to explore. Yeah. I myself use a jade egg mm. for my yoni practice. And I have found that that is milder than perhaps the rose quartz yeah. in terms of energy. And, you know, if you have any wounding around penetration as well, you have to be really, really careful you know, in terms of, I mean, what we're saying now is like, please only do this if you have been guided to do this, if you feel that you're in a safe space to be able to do this, Mm -hmm. don't just go out and do this willy nilly. This is something that this is almost like ritualistic and has to be done. You know, even before you get to that point, it's like, let's talk about safety, but also let's talk about what a yes and a no feels like for your body, for your Mm -hmm. vagina. And, you know, it's almost like there are many steps before we get to that step. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I noticed, well, first of all, it's also, I feel like it's an invitation to really trust yourself too and know when you're ready for what. And then like when, like you said, knowing the yeses and the nos, like, is my body ready for this? Yes or no? Because it might not be yet. And, you know, where can I go and reestablish some more safety first if that's where my intuition is guiding me? And I think you made an important point before too, though, which is the connection to our intuition and whether we even trust that anymore and because of the trauma. So reestablishing even a relationship to your intuition. So obviously there's many layers and many components to each person's kind of what step they're at in the process. Not that there's just like specific steps, but that each person's going to have their own steps and the pace in which you go through them is going to be totally different. I'm curious about emotions that come up as well. And I think that's probably a huge part of the healing process. And maybe it's kind of one of those, those steps for people and particularly anger. So I'm really curious what your thoughts and your experience are with like this really sacred rage, this anger coming up around the experiences that women have been through 
uh, the way that they've potentially been treated and what meaning do we give to this anger? How do we work through this anger? Firstly, anger is a part of us and it's a beautiful part of us. And it's a part that I feel that as women, we should accept more instead of being afraid of it. And anger here is, firstly, there's a story of what anger, how that was displayed and portrayed to you as you were growing up or, you know, in your everyday life. And also, you know, was anger involved in any sexual trauma incidents? Mm -hmm. So this, again, is very nuanced. And I have found that many women struggle to express anger because they feel that it is wrong or it's going to come really aggressive or they've, you know, witnessed people doing certain things to express their anger. And anger isn't necessarily been shown to be expressed in a healthy way. You know, we, from, I don't know, movies to home life to whatever that is, you know, so often anger is never portrayed to be expressed in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, I don't want to go there. I don't want to feel angry. I don't want to express that rage, that sacred rage, as you called it. Mm -hmm. So we don't. So we push it down and then it all come out in different ways. So that is actually part of how I work with women is to explore those stories. And again, this is linked to the safety piece. It's Mm -hmm. like, if you don't feel safe enough to talk about your experiences, whatever they may look like for you, then it's a possibility that you will not feel safe enough to express your anger. But as I said, expressing anger is part of who we are. It's part of the emotions, the myriad of emotions that we get to express. Mm -hmm. And just because it may not have been portrayed to you as a healthy form of expression, it doesn't mean that it can't be. And this is the other thing is that it doesn't necessarily have to be the same for each individual. You know, some people find that they find it really helpful to scream into pillows. Other people prefer to dance. Other people prefer to climb mountains. Mm -hmm. Whatever which way it is for you, it's very individual. So it's like, what works for you? Let's explore that. Here Mm -hmm. are some examples, but let's explore what works for you Mm -hmm. as a healthy expression of anger. I'm so glad we're talking about this because I find, at least in the community of women that I work with, that there's often repressed anger, sexual trauma or not, just in general, even a lot of repressed anger. And I'm somebody who, if you asked me 10 years ago, you know, if I was angry, I'd be like, oh, I like never get angry. I'm chill. I am so cool. Like, and little did I, I I was just completely unaware at the time, but I was so angry, but I pushed it down. I repressed it and I made myself okay with everything. Oh, this happened. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Don't worry about it. You know, because I wanted to be seen in a certain way and I wanted that approval. I wanted the love. I wanted the acceptance. And I thought that anger was something that would get me pushed out of the group or my family not loved or like disowned. And so, gosh, it's been challenging to figure out what that expression of anger looks like in my body and how does it want to be expressed. And I love that you brought up that we don't have a lot of examples of a healthy expression of anger because I think if we had more that maybe we would realize that 
I see anger as part of the divine feminine. Yet I think it's women who repress their anger the most. And because the divine feminine is not just this like fragile, gentle, you know, she's also wild and rageful and emotional and has this, this fierceness to her. And so that anger, I just I invite everyone listening to consider what you've just shared around what does anger look like in my body? And maybe it's there and I don't even realize it. Maybe there is some repressed anger. Can we start to talk to it? Can we start to release it? Can we start to bring it out? Because I can imagine that, and this was my experience, at least in situations of sexual trauma, it's easy for there to be a lot of anger that's been held on to around like what has happened to you. And I think also, as you were saying that, what's coming through for me is that in the spiritual world as well, is that we always talk about triggers. Mm. So when people trigger us and we feel this anger, we automatically look to ourselves. Well, anybody who's kind of spiritually, I guess, evolutionized, <laughs> kind of look to ourselves, okay, what is this about me? What's, what is this about me that's bringing up these emotions? What are they triggering in me? What's, you know, this is all about me and blah, blah, blah. So therefore, it's like we don't allow ourselves to express this anger freely. We get triggered and we go, well, we can't express the anger because actually this issue is about me as a person. So I was like, well, no, not really. You are still allowed to express your anger. If someone's pissed you off and you're angry, express it. Mm-hmm. And as you said, where in your body are you feeling that? What sensations are you feeling? What color is the anger? You know, can you use visualization techniques to dissipate that, that energy of anger? What can you do to express that anger in a healthy way? And yeah, you're absolutely right. The divine feminine, we are wild women. We are here to express every single emotion that we feel. And that is part of being a woman. It's not just for men. Anger is not just for men. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so get angry. But yeah. at the same time, I feel that anger and passion are so closely connected as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where sacred rage or holy rage, that, those terms come up for me. I think of the, the mother who, in a fit of rage, is doing something to like, save her child's life because she's so passionate, because she's so overflowing with love. And that to me is just this potent, powerful, beautiful rage and anger. Not that the other isn't, but it's like, I think anger can be an expression of love, I guess. And I think that maybe it's an expression of suppressed love for ourselves. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I never considered that. That's powerful as well. I'm digesting that right now. Like, hmm. Yeah. Love for ourselves. Hello, podcast fam. Just popping in for a second because in this postpartum period, I have a whole newfound respect for how much you need to supplement and hydrate and give your body the nutrients that it needs in order to be breastfeeding. So one thing that has been supporting me so much is having my container of electrolytes next to me 
pretty much all day long. I, as you guys have heard me talk about before, I'm a huge fan of Element electrolytes. They are salty and delicious and there are some amazing flavors. My current favorite is their new flavor, watermelon, but I also love the raspberry, the citrus, the orange. They're all really good. And electrolytes are charged minerals that conduct electricity to power our nervous system. And mine has felt a little bit fried lately because we are not sleeping through the night. We are getting max about three hours of sleep at any given time. So regulating my hydration as well as my husband's and balancing fluids inside and outside of my cells has been so supportive, literally feels life-saving. And as a Uncensored Empath podcast listener, you get to try these amazing electrolytes for free. You just pay $5 in shipping. You get a free sample pack. Simply go to drinklmnt.com backslash empath to try it out. Again, that's drinklmnt.com com backslash empath and i'd love for you to let me know what your favorite flavor is and tag me over on instagram when we start to do the emotional healing the physical healing all these different layers one of the techniques that you use is 5d 7d energy healing and i think you mentioned in the beginning it's like at this point we know it works. We don't have to put a name to it, but I would love to talk a little bit about like, what is the difference between trying to heal maybe like in the 3D versus bringing in some of the five to seven D healing into our bodies? In terms of where we're at as a collective, we are leaning into the fifth dimension in terms of frequency and in terms of the frequency of the planet Mm -hmm. so therefore energy healing that's vibrating on third density is the way i see it is that it will work but it will not be enough to sustain changes and also so we're looking at higher frequency levels of, of energy which have the ability to penetrate the energy body at a much quicker rate and go a lot deeper Mm -hmm. so we're going right into the cells into the dna into the energy body in terms of fifth seventh to be honest i'm generally using seventh and above what's coming through for me now is actually 12th Mm -hmm. and i can't put a name on it but i do know that it's super powerful i know that because i'm being guided not to do it more than 20 minutes on an individual basis mm-hmm. and in terms of how it helps the so firstly energy healing allows to bring anything that's in the unconscious subconscious up into the conscious awareness for you to be able to navigate and heal and release it mm-hmm. but in terms of the energy body everything is energy even the energy of what you've been through trauma it's all energy in the body the body is energy so therefore this part of the process for me it's been in my own experience has been absolutely pivotal and key for me to be able to heal and therefore i'm bringing that into the equation when i'm you know helping and and working with other women through that because it allows them to release shame that's mm-hmm. stored the energy of shame the energy of fear the energy of guilt or whatever it is it all gets stored in the body and that's where the energy healing comes in yeah but as i said in terms of the frequency my opinion is that 3d energy healing i'm not going to say the name <laughs> okay <laughs> fuck it reiki i think that that's that's slowly going to die 
Yeah. I think that at where we, we're at and where we are heading, we're looking at anything from five up, five D up. So I'm also curious because I think when people sometimes book a energy, whatever type of energy healing session, there can be a tendency to go into it thinking this is just going to be done to me. And I love your thoughts on do to versus do with process. Okay. That's a really interesting question. (laughs) I'm trying to think of the words. Well, first of all, what are your intentions for having an energy healing session in the first place? Because if you're looking to get rescued or for somebody to actually take everything away from you to make your life a lot easier, forget it. That's mm-hmm. not the way anything works with energy healing, with coaching, with anything like that. So in terms of I'm going to an energy healer for a session because, well, what is it because? What are your intentions? What are you hoping to release? What are you hoping to work on? What are you hoping to gain? And that's where you work with the energy healer. Mm-hmm. And again, it comes back to that trust and safety piece. Is because if you don't feel safe with that energy healer, you're not going to be as open to Mm -hmm. receiving what you are supposed to receive in that moment. So in terms of working with an energy healer, it is very much about let's discuss what your intentions are because then we can simultaneously work together to co-create that for you. You set your intentions and I will solidify your intentions by creating my intentions the same as yours for you. Mm -hmm. So we work together and we create whatever magic is supposed to transpire but at the same time don't expect to have that done in one session yes it can be a miraculously magical experience and there are many people who have transformed their lives in one session but it's not the same for everybody Mm -hmm. especially if you've never had energy healing before in your life if you've never worked with your own energy if you've never even considered your own energy at any point in your life So it's just like being open-minded and understanding that this is a Mm co-creation. I totally agree and feel that intention plays a huge part in the process and willingness to be open, to be worked on and safety. Like you said, the safety of the space can impact the outcome of any energy healing that somebody may ask to receive. I just did a episode not long ago on ethics and energy medicine as well. And obviously consent is a crucial component to any energy healing as well. Yeah. Seriously being discerning about the healer that you choose to work with. Like mm-hmm. have they worked on their own shit? Yeah. Where are they coming from? I think that's where we get to really trust our intuition as we do reconnect to it as well. If there, if there's been kind of a disconnection because of trauma, it's like I've even had good friends recommend me to somebody who, for them, it was wonderful, and for me, it just didn't feel like the right fit. Like, just didn't quite have the same vibe. And I think we get to trust our guts and we get to trust ourselves in choosing who we work with, uh, whether it's an intuitive yes, no feeling in our body, or maybe like sussing out a little bit more about what this person stands for. What are their values? What are their ethical principles? What style do they use? And are you informed on even what you're going to be experiencing in a session? So nothing comes as surprise as well. Yeah. 
Absolutely. It really comes down to that connection as well. If you mm. feel that you have a connection, regardless of whether you have an explanation of what that connection is, if you feel it, mm-hmm. then trust it because anything to follow will be either a blessing or a lesson. Yeah. Well, I mean, you it circles back to what you said in the beginning too, is like, how do we start to heal sexual trauma is through connection. So even that like connection of, of saying yes in the first place is part of the healing process, which I hadn't even considered before. So, oh, this is such powerful work and something I think that exists a lot in the world. And like you also opened with telling us about, you know, how sexual trauma is not just the big things that you would first think of. It, there's nuance and there's many layers to it. And obviously, I think it's become obvious that the healing is also really individualized as well as far as how we do overcome or transmute energy, integrate energy, find some of the lessons and learnings if they're there. Is there anything else that's on your heart today that you feel like we want to leave listeners with? You're not alone and you don't have to be alone. I'm pausing as well, just to let everyone really hear that. Like really, really hear that. (sighs) Sinead, thank you so much for being here. Is there anything else that you want to invite people to, to do as far as after listening to this conversation, ways to reach out to you, to work with you? or even just where to be looking as far as finding that connection as part of the healing process? I mean, I'm all over Instagram and my DMs are always open for anybody who would like to reach out to me on Instagram. I will be facilitating a group coaching program launching in October for women who have experienced any form of sexual trauma and there will be more information revealed around that time. But as I said, if you feel connected with anything that I've said, then please feel free to contact me. You aren't alone and you don't have to be alone. And I am here. And if it takes a simple message to reach out, to create that connection that helps you to heal in any way, shape or form, I'm here. I'm here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate everything you've brought today, your openness, your invitation to connect with people and yeah, your time. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Uncensored Empath Podcast. I would so appreciate if you could take a couple minutes to rate, review, and subscribe. And if you loved this episode, please share it on social media, tag me, let your friends know about it, and I will see you on the next episode.